0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your
1: money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, it's uh, great weather out there. We've had some uh, some rainy times here. This seems like this uh, last couple of weeks, but beautiful weather. It really is. And we've got festivals coming up. We've got a lot of outdoors uh,
0: activities, events. It is it's just a good time of the year.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to put in a, a plug for the uh, Overflow Foundation. It's an organization um, that was uh, started a couple years ago with the uh, tragic death of um, a local um, musician. His name was Philip Lee Jr., and um, so his, uh, his parents have started the Overflow Foundation, and it, they're actually having a, an event Saturday uh, afternoon from 5 to 9 at Odell Weeks. Um, it's free to the public. It's called Music and Mocktails, and uh, it's promoting um, mental health awareness. And uh, it's going to be a great evening. The, the weather's going to be fantastic. Um, there's going to be uh, four bands out there playing at Odell Weeks and also food trucks as well. Right. So come join us. Uh, it's going to be a great Great evening, great weather, and um, you know, just a great time of the year. Like you know, football is going on. Obviously, we talk a lot about that, but there's a lot of other things going on. Obviously, COVID has been, um, you know, still in the news and still a challenge sure. for a lot of people out there. Yeah, and,
0: and those dates again. That's at Odo Weeks in Aiken, South Carolina. And what that's are those right. dates and times? Yeah,
1: it's going to be Saturday, the twenty uh, fifth, from five p.m. to nine p.m. So.
0: Yeah, that's just it's a really good organization, really good leaders, very good understanding of. How people are thinking, and even going through COVID with all of these uh, recent struggles, how people are struggling. So if you, yes, uh, yeah, if you just want to learn more about it, if you do struggle with those questions, um, go in there and just talking with someone there. They uh, will will certainly be able to help, and if nothing less, just give you. You know, nod and say, Yes, I understand what you're going through. It's a really good yeah. really good group.
1: Yeah, this event is gonna be fun. It's I mean, it's it's really gonna be about music and having a good time, um, and also a lot of good food. <laughs> I'm excited about it. So um, but by the way, we have a great show lined up today, uh, Matthew. Um, my name is John Travis. I have an MBA in finance and I'm also a Dave Ramsey financial coach and I have over twenty nine years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And my name is Matthew Travis. I'm also a
0: financial planner here at the firm, um, and I'm a certified financial planner.
1: Yeah, that's right. And we're excited to have you listening to us today. Um, we have a weekly show at, uh, that we put the podcast up on uh, Fridays, typically. So you can uh, also go to our website, uh, which is moneymd.net. Uh, or iTunes and uh, download them and listen to us anytime uh, that you want. So go check out the website, moneymd.net. We have a lot of really good tools on there, Matthew. Um, you know, uh, we have some some planning software, planning tool out there, which uh, a lot of people use. Mm. And uh, we also have a Facebook page, MoneyMD, and uh, Matthew's going to be doing the prescription of the week. So go check that out, and uh, there's really good information out there. And we're going to start off, Matthew, with the financial fact of the week. And this comes from the Census Bureau. And, um, you know, the home uh, sales price, Matthew, they keep setting records. I mean, pretty it's much. Showing up. Yeah, the price of the uh, home sold, the average price in June of this year was almost $400,000 per house, which is an all-time record, um, both on a, a nominal basis and also inflation adjusted. The old inflation-adjusted record was back in May of 2017, so it continues to increase, I and mean, we see that that industry, um, the real estate, just doing so well, and it's really surprising with everything that's going on with COVID, but um, it's a good time to be in the real estate market.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you're looking to, to sell, it's a really good time. If you're looking to buy, it can be <laughs> a little pricier, but... Um, definitely, definitely a hot, hot real estate market.
1: Yeah, that's Still. right, that's right. So, all right, so we're going to switch over here to um, to the first uh, topic um, this week, and that is going to be um, teaching our kids about money. and And um, there is a time and place, Matthew, that money should be taught. And unfortunately, uh, there's really not many places <laughs> across America that it is being taught. This is a, an article out of. Um, uh, Morningstar, a gentleman named John Reckenthaler, and he, he's come up with some ideas about what to teach in high school. And uh, I, I'll say that, you know, when I started college, um, I knew a little bit about the stock market, didn't really understand mutual funds or budgets, um, you know, banks um, paying interest and not getting any money in return. High schools teach a lot of things to kids. They teach about, um, you know, sports and civics and, <clears throat> you know, sometimes there's cooking and typing classes but they, they fail in teaching finances. And I'm not sure, I believe um, school the school systems think that parents are teaching their kids about finances, and that's false because parents don't know this, and we see that. We right. work with a lot of people and uh, do a lot of training classes for folks. And I will say that there is one uh, organization who understands this very well, and that's the Dave Ramsey Organization. Uh, they actually have a high school curriculum. Um, it's called Foundations. And we, uh, Richard Young Associates, has, uh, is sponsoring today and has for a number of years five high schools. We're, we had the curriculum at North Augusta, at Midland Valley, at South Aiken, at Aiken High School, and at Fox Creek High School. So those five high schools have finance curriculum. Unfortunately, it's not a mandatory class. So, um, you know, there are quite a few students that are taking it, but not everybody that goes through the schools take it. Yeah. And really what
0: these classes are teaching. It is looking at um, theoretical and understanding, okay, why do things happen? But there's also a lot of practical elements to it. So really how wealth is created and how personal assets should be managed is really, you know, the focus of these classes. And it really gets into, okay, hey, if you're, you know, in high school and you don't want to go to college, how are you going to provide for yourself and possibly your family? Okay, let's say you're in high school and you want to go to college and you want to major in literature. How, how do you provide for your family with a degree in literature? So all of these questions, all of these students, are having to answer these very hard questions. And quite frankly, not many people are teaching them. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just a, it's it is a problem, and it's a cyclical problem because then the, you're you're right. The parents don't know how to teach their kids, and then those kids grow up to parents, and they don't know how to yeah. teach their kids. So it is this problem
1: that. Uh, Really, we do need to address as, as a nation. Yeah, so you definitely, if you have kids, grandkids out in the school systems, whether it's in South Carolina or Georgia, You've got to start beating a drum. We've got to get this material out there. And so, uh, Matthew, this gentleman, um, John Reckenthaler, came up with a suggestion. Uh, I've seen the Ramsey material. It's fantastic. But he's got some ideas as well. Um, so he's titled, uh, entitled his course Money, and he hasn't created it yet. But these right. are just some things that he would talk about putting in there.
0: Yeah, and in, in one section is is business finance. And, um, you know, while it may seem like it is not as practical, it is still good to have the fundamental understanding of why and how do businesses work and this is really interesting of understanding okay you know business is in <clears throat> is in uh, you know the industry to create a product or service that people are willing to buy or support if it's a nonprofit so you know understanding fundamentally why and how businesses are in business is a key to understanding personal finance.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, this, this section would establish um, the groundwork for future sections. It, it covers the the time value of money. Um, you know, it also uh, talks about, you know, banks and interest on on payments, um, you know, and they don't do that out of charity. They do it to turn a profit. So this insight would be supported by teaching um, some, some other details. It's, it's called a, a, a internal rate of return calculation. Um, discounted cash flow. There's some, those are some details that a lot of students don't know, and, and there, are, there are formulas that are pretty easy on calculators to run some of these. But understanding the time value of money not only reveals the logic behind many business practices, um, such as you know seeking upfront cash, um, for, for things, but also outsourcing, you know, task and consumer decisions, which you hit on earlier. Mm-hmm. Cause everybody deals with money when they get out of high school, every single person has to deal with it. And we're not putting the resources in their hands.
0: Yeah. And let me just say just a, a side note, um, you know, for finances, you may say, well, my kid has no interest in learning finances or anything about that. But there's a book I'm reading. It's you are what you love by James K a. Smith. And I'd highly recommend it. But one of the main thesis the main argument of the book is basically saying if you want to convince someone to go out on the open seas you don't put them on a boat and push them out you basically create a vision and you create a story that invites them to place themselves in that story and you cre- you make them excited to say wow look at the stars and look at the seas and look at all that you can do on the open ocean and then they want to do that so a thought is, man, let's create a vision to say, hey, how exciting can it be to be people who understand truly how to use finance as well. And that's really the thought behind this is to um, is to,
1: you know, create that story that kids can get excited them, on. Yeah, give them the vision. I like that. And yeah. it, it, part of the vision is is retirement planning, but also it's It's personal decisions, right? That's right. Yeah. And
0: that's another, the the second section that he recommended was, um, you know, having an understanding of credit card debt and budgeting and mortgages and so forth, you know, providing them a very high level of investments to stocks, bonds, and cash and understanding those different ins and outs. Uh, The personal decisions section teaches students how to spend appropriately and uh, given their incomes, you know, how to, how to manage that part of their lives well.
1: Yeah. And because they'll have some tools, um, you know, they'll be able to do some cash flow analysis and uh, they'll be able to evaluate some of the personal, um, you know, finance services that are out there. I mean, you know, the zero percentage automobile financing or what is the true cost of rental furniture? I mean, that's a very high, high interest rate that's buried in there. Um, They'll also be able to appreciate the fundamental reason to own stocks. Um. Yeah. And not because you know they hope someone else is going to you know pay them more, but instead because of the, the the math around it. When you look at it over time, the growth in corporate profitability has created wealth in the stock market. So just teaching them um, about about the stock market and about mutual funds is going to benefit them long long term. And uh, his take on this, and this is really interesting, is there'll be no stock market contest. We do see that in some high schools out there. Dave doesn't do that, but the last thing that we want to teach people today is that that buying equities and reinforcing that um, is a sure thing. I mean, when you buy an individual stock, it's like a gamble. I mean, it can go up, and people have made a lot of money on individual stocks. But over time, you know, mutual funds and being diversified, the things that Warren Buffett preaches and and Dave Ramsey and Clark Howard and us, the money doctors, we talk about mutual funds a lot. So you don't want to give them a false sense of hope with a a stock market contest. Teaching them about the stock market is important, Um, but also behavioral issues as well. That really comes into play in, in, you know, whether or not someone's going to be successful. That's right. And this third out of
0: the four sections of this uh, gentleman's. Understanding of what uh, students need is the behavioral aspect, and um, you know it will address mistakes inevitably that people will make. Um, overconfidence bias is one. Uh, the sunk cost fallacy, herd mentality—these are all just um, things that we all tend to buy into and we all tend to fall prey to. So, if you have an understanding of that, it can really set you on a right foot. Um, before you get out, and you're making these these decisions for for you and your family. Another um, interesting perspective is it's going to understand how in the stock market, um, like you were just mentioning, um, how you can view losses differently than than most people, and understanding well if I if the markets are down, we can actually take advantage of that and not be scared and pull out of the market. So these are some really foundational topics that even we talk with clients about now, and we yeah. have these conversations with. So this. Uh, is definitely
1: needed uh, for for our students. Yeah, and then the last section would be a, a life cycle section. and um, you know just kind of giving um, students a high level view of um, consumer life cycle from you know when they're in school, um, they're not being paid uh, to when they're in their working careers and being able to evaluate you know how salaries vary by education and occupation and age. And then finally, looking into retirement, and you know, it's probably difficult for a teenager to pay attention to retirement planning. But the life cycle module will, you know, at least introduce the topics um, of 401k plans and and why you need to save a little bit of out of each paycheck. Uh, Dave Ramsey does a great job of teaching people um, to give as a part of their budgeting process. So. You know the life cycle is just another piece of the puzzle, but um, again, Matthew, as we as we look at finance, um, the state of finances across America, it's not good for the individual family. And honestly, it's our it's our and I hate to put it on the schools because parents should be teaching that, but the parents don't know this information. Most of them don't. Dave Ramsey's organization's done a great job of having uh, some curriculum out there in high schools. And again, there's five high schools: North Augusta, Millen Valley, South Aiken, Aiken, and Fox Creek. So if your student or your your child or grandchild goes to one of those schools. Make sure they sign up for this course. Um, it is a phenomenal course. We've actually offered it to all the high schools in the CSRA, and we've only been taken up by five of them. So if you know someone out there in one of the schools, have them reach out to us, and we can certainly talk about putting it into some um, different schools out there. That's right. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, very important topic. So um, we're going to go now to the, uh, the question of the week.
0: Yeah, and this is a you know these questions are, are real questions that people do ask us, and this is really interesting, um, kind of little you know a little interesting, a little humorous. Um, the question is: I spend eight hundred dollars per month on my dog. Is that too much? Was that
1: dog or kid? <laughs> it's a dog. It's okay, it's a dog. And well, but some dogs are like family. right
0: yeah and this person had a very high value of the relationship that this dog provided and and so she treated this dog as as if she this dog was part of the family and so the question is is that too much how do we understand spending in that relationship
1: yeah and so i mean you know that's really a a very personal question i guess i would answer if if that eight hundred dollars is not causing harm to your kids or yourself and your family and your retirement planning and some of your other, uh, goals, then that's fine. That, that's a lot. That's ten, 10, grand a year. Basically. Um, if you have enough money that you can spare to that and it doesn't impact your other goals and that's fine. If it starts to impact, and put your, your family at risk, then, you know, you have to evaluate that. Um, you know, dogs are important. We've always had animals in our household. Um, Boomer is our dog's name right now. That's our dog. Yeah, good one. he's a wild man. And, um, so we, we love animals, but there's also a balance in that. So it's hard to say how much extra income they have to to spend on the dog. But, uh, I remember when, um, Tame and I were first married, your mom, Uh, we had a dog named do and he had a twisted stomach and uh, we had a decision to put him down or fix it and this was when we first started working and we ended up paying and getting him fixed Um, you know that that issue resolved it was fifteen hundred dollars well this is back in 1993 yeah Yeah, so today it's probably like five grand so it was a very difficult decision we decided to do it it was challenging, but, uh, yeah, so I certainly understand the, right. the attachment to animals. So
0: Yeah, and I think it is that main key takeaway is if it if it doesn't impact your other goals and this is a priority, that's okay. Yeah, I agree. I can definitely do that.
1: Totally agree. All righty, and we're going to switch gears here to uh, an article uh, by George Kamel. He was with Ramsey Solutions. It's 10 money traps to avoid. Yeah, and these are interesting. Um, they're pretty
0: quick, but uh, very helpful and very common. So we'll run through these. Um, you know, so the first one is, uh, no money down plans, you know, so typically just an example, you're starting out, you've graduated college, or you're out of high school, you're on your own, you look to buy furniture and they say, Hey, uh, you can put 0% down and have a monthly payment over the next however many months. Sounds like a no-brainer, but the no-money-down trap is just another way to get you locked into making long-term payments on stuff that you really need to be paying for up front. Instead of putting no money
1: down, here's a better idea.
0: Save up some cash and pay for all of it on the front end.
1: Yeah, so no, no money down sounds appealing, but it, um, it's, got, it's got high interest rates built in there, and they're basically... Compensate—they're being paid for the interest that they're having to pay right. by increasing the price associated with it. So that's a good one. The second one here to avoid is is car leases. I mean, people like to drive new cars, fancy cars, um, but you know only if you can afford to pay cash with it. And leasing is the most expensive way to drive a car. So uh, you know Dave's done a whole bunch of research on this. He's gone through the numbers, and leasing you know is is more expensive than. Paying cash for it, and it, you know, the gratification uh, of having a paid for car is right. is huge. So don't don't even go down the the car lease piece of it. It's not going to build wealth. It's a wealth destroyer.
0: That's right. it's also just adds stress, as it's someone else's vehicle. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah,
1: good point. Uh,
0: the third one is timeshares. Um, I'm sure if you've been on a vacation, someone has offered you, hey, a free vacation. Hey, if you come listen to this business meeting, uh, this business pitch, you can get a free day or two. Uh, but what's really going on is in this innocent looking meeting, uh, you may get pressured into buying a timeshare. Here's the thing. Timeshares are usually marketed to people who cannot afford them. That's their whole marketing strategy. And if you do buy one and ever want to sell it, it's very difficult. It's very hard. Um, you really, it's, I mean, it's hard to even get out of it mm-hmm. at all. Um, so if you're thinking of buying a t- timeshare, we would really recommend you you giving that a second thought or even not doing that at all.
1: Yeah, you can buy it on the secondary market as well. There's there's websites out there that sell them at a, at a significant discount than what you could buy it, um, you know, at a, one of those pitches. So that's a good one. We, we do hear a lot of regrets on timeshares. We do run across people that have enjoyed them um, over time, but be careful with that one. Another one to avoid is, and this is not really talked about very much anymore, but adjustable rate mortgages, also known as ARMS. Um, about 10 years ago, these ARMS were, or the hip cool thing to do for home buyers um, but then the housing market crashed and a lot of the banks that gave out you know just crazy loans were either had to go under or get bailed out and uh, it turns out that the banks needed someone to lend them a helping hand and i'll tell you what's going to happen here is interest rates are going to rise at some point they're extremely low very very low right now at some point when they get up into the 5 or 6% range the arms are going to be in the four percent range, and they're going to be attractive, and people are going to lock into them because it's a lower rate. But boy, if you can lock into it now or refinance, it's a great time.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, those can be those can be attractive. You're right; they can they can lure you in, but it can be dangerous as well. Um, number five is free trials. Um, you know, we, we can you can often see these in multiple different ways. But um, what we don't like are shady companies trying to take advantage of you, um, all in the name of getting something free. Um, you know they want you to pay more than planned by encouraging you to sign up for a free trial of something then hoping um, you will pay the full price for it down the road another interesting way this happens is it may not be quote unquote shady but you may sign up for a free subscription a free month and then forget to cancel it so mm-hmm. then you get charged and if you're not paying attention to your bank
1: statement it'll just be on there continually yeah so. they'll give you a free three months or something right and you have to cancel it and if you don't then it
0: correct so yeah it's just something to to be aware of um number six uh surprise contest winnings this is i actually i am i'll be honest i actually fell for this oh um probably about two months ago, and I very quickly realized it and, and got out of it, but if you ever get an email saying you won a contest or the lottery, but you don't remember entering, and they ask you to pay a fee in order to claim the prize, it's a scam, and, and you know this article is recommending do not click on any pop-ups or anything um, that you don't know where it came from. Now, I'll say um, how they got me is I do shop on Amazon, and I got an email with the title from Amazon Um, and they basically say, Hey, we had a problem with the shipping, please click here to see where it was shipped to. Hmm. And when you clicked on the email address that it was sent from, it was not an official Amazon email. So I clicked on it and then very quickly realized that it was wrong and and exited out and cleared the history and cash. But you know, it's just so tricky. I mean, they, they will, they can, they can really get you. So I guess the, the, Disclaimers, just be aware. Be on the lookout for that.
1: Yeah, I mean it comes comes from Amazon. I mean, that's like a, a normal email <laughs> right. and they do have that's shipping right. issues. So I, I can see uh, that's that's very, very, very tricky. So yeah, yeah just be careful. Another one here is, is payday loans. And we don't talk a lot about payday loans, but Uh, We have run across and done counseling for people that have payday loans, and they're very difficult to get out of. And uh, Dave's organization does not like payday lenders. Uh, He thinks they're the worst of the worst in the financial industry, and uh, they're a big ripoff. I mean, those people don't want to help you. They want to take advantage of you and uh, make you end up paying crazy um, amounts of interest rates. And uh, as tempting as it might be to go this route, uh, when you're desperate, don't. I mean, what are some of the interest rates we've seen? Uh, you know, honestly, the, the APR
0: is over 400% on most of them. Now, the way yeah. they get you is they say, oh, it's only 16% for two weeks. Yeah. But then if you annualize that, it's it's well over yeah, it's, um, a healthy amount.
1: And once you get into them and you get into the cycle, it's really difficult to, um, to get off because uh, then you have to have a whole bunch of money to pay it off. Right. And then you have to, it just, it's not a good place to be. Stay away from payday loans.
0: That's right. Number eight is investment scams. And this is really interesting um, as far as, you know, thinking about the quick win or trying to get a quick investment. Um, You may say, oh, wow, this person's offering me this if I just uh, sign on or link in or give them money to invest in this really obscure product or really thing that no one has ever heard of. We're able to get in on the front end. That can be very dangerous. Um, So it's, you know, kind of like what we've been saying, just be aware, be on the lookout.
1: Um, If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another one to run from is credit cards. When, you know, your your student goes off to uh, to school, um, a lot of times, the credit card companies they'll hook the uh, the student with free stuff. I mean, free pizza, t shirts. Um, and you know, you can uh, apply for a credit card and get it uh, issued very very quickly. And you'll a lot of times, um, people rack up debt very very quickly. So when you have a credit card company come calling, uh, just do one thing: run. Don't sign up for it make sure your student that goes off to college understands this fact. We see a lot of students that get into trouble because they're able to get a free t-shirt and then, you know, a couple thousand dollars in a credit card. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not a good, good combination.
0: Yeah. All right. And then the last one, uh, student loans. Uh, it is a, it is a deceitful lie today that you have to go into student loans, uh, to get a college degree or to be successful in life. And this is just not true. So it's a more than 1.7 trillion, Dollars in student loans in America. Um, there are many ways to avoid this. We do talk about this a lot, but in high school, you can take CLEP classes, C L E P classes. You can take AP classes. You can dual enroll. When you're in college, you can work. You can live at home. You can go to a technical college. All of these options are ways to reduce the cost of college. Uh, and a lot of people honestly just don't want to uh, do that. They want the easier way of just pulling out student loans. But in reality, you know, it could take years it could take decades to pay these off so in reality it's not the easier way over the long run so staying away from student loans is 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 a good recommendation
1: yeah and it we we run into folks uh, frequently that have student loans in their 30s 40s and 50s um, That's right sometimes even in their 60s so be careful with that we have a really neat tool on our website moneymd.net go check that out it is a um, it's, I think it's from the Federal Reserve Board up in New York but it shows by major, what the expected income is when you start. It also shows kind of mid mid career. Uh, it also shows whether or not you're going to need a grad degree. So uh, there are we do need folks in certain areas out there, but there's limited jobs in some things. We see a lot of people doing counseling and and psychology degrees, and that's great. But you're going to have to get a grad degree, and the salary is not going to be very very high, and it's going to be very difficult to uh, to survive. With uh, the student loan debt, so go check out the degrees. It shouldn't be the primary driver, but if you're going into psychology, you need to understand it's going to be a, you know, a six-year stint, and you're going to have X amount of debt coming out if you haven't saved, and the uh, income is not going to be real high. So you just need to have that information going into some of these choices, uh, and it really goes back to the personal finance that we talked about as well. That should be talked about and and taught in our schools and our high schools as people are, are searching for careers. So. Very good topic. Very good topic. We love the Ramsey organization. They have good good information. And uh, so we're going to go to the uh, prescription of the week. Yeah, and to wrap up, um, this is a
0: really good prescription. Um, and the prescription is to make sure you start small with rental homes um, if you're looking at getting into uh, renting uh, real estate. And, and um, they are an active investment. Even if you do have a rental company that is overseeing it, you still have to give it thought to say, hey, the AC unit went out which one do I want to choose? How do I do this? The roof needs to be replaced in three years. Do so we need to do that now or later? It is a active investment. It takes energy. It takes attention. Some people really enjoy that, um, but the prescription is to start small and to really understand uh, what you're getting into before you just jump in and get multiple houses, multiple
1: mortgages, and it's stressful and it adds complexity to your life where you really don't want it. Yeah, and if you think about the finances of it, I mean, real estate can work out. We see people that are very successful, but if you get a 30-year mortgage on on a rental property um, and it's being paid for, by the tenant, which is appealing, um, it's going to take a long time for that to cash flow positive. So it's going to be cash flow neutral because you have mortgages, expenses, taxes, and insurance, and so forth that that you're responsible for, and you do have rent coming in. But what we see most of the time is most rental properties are, are cash flow neutral if you have a mortgage on it. So the best way to buy rental property is with with no debt. You know, having no mortgage on it because then it's cash flow positive on the front end. But as you, as you mentioned, Matthew, we have a lot of people that are interested in this. Uh, it's an active investment, and some people are, are made and uh, enjoy that type of activity. Uh, we see people that are very successful in that, but you also have to make sure that it fits your situation and what you want to do. I know that um, in, in my situation, we've looked at rental real estate in the past, and we've chosen not to do it. Um, We've instead invested uh, in the stock market, that's where um, we have tried to build our wealth, um, you know, going forward for retirement. So uh, just be careful with rental real estate, it can be really, really good. um, But it also can can be a, a curse if you don't do it right. That's right. Well, this has been uh, this week's edition of MoneyMD. If you'll tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health and uh, check out our website, MoneyMD.net, send us your questions. You can certainly give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of the week.